many of you have ever experienced an escape room? Oh yeah, quite a few hands out there. All right. I've only done it once. Uh, I don't know how popular they were during the pandemic, but I know before the pandemic they were pretty popular, quite popular. And as I said, I've only done it one time, but I have a friend who absolutely loves them. It's like his thing. Anytime he gets to a new city, he's got to find the escape room in that city so he can go and he can do one. He, he's done it with his friends. He's done it with his family. They, they enjoy it. And if you aren't for, uh, familiar with what an escape room is, it's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> you pay people to lock you in a room so that you can figure out how to escape right? And there are clues that you need to discover and you need to decipher and there are puzzles that are intended to puzzle and bewilder and confuse you. And and sometimes as you get into that room and they close the door, they lock it, the timer starts because you only have a certain amount of time. And so you frantically, you start desperately looking around for those clues. You start trying to solve those puzzles and and sometimes you hit roadblocks. You know, sometimes you, you think you have it figured out and you're ready to move on, but it turns out you were wrong. And you might even get a little frustrated while you're trying to escape. And while that can be a frustration, you know, maybe with your, your friends and a frustration just with the, the game, really... It's a lot of fun. It's enjoyable. But what if the frustration isn't with the game? What if you aren't just trying to escape a room, but what if you feel like you need to escape life? What if you ran into those, those roadblocks and those frustrations and the confusing, puzzling, bewildering things that have come up against you in your life and you're so exhausted, so overwhelmed, you just want to escape? Have you ever felt that way? I just read an article last night. They found this woman in Utah who had been missing for several days. She wasn't actually missing. She just left. She went to just camp because she wanted an escape. What makes you want to escape this life? Maybe it is because it is challenge after challenge after challenge that seems to come against you. And and as soon as you've figured one out, as soon as you've been able to navigate one and you've put those puzzle pieces together and, and you can move on and you're ready to just rest, something else blows up. Or maybe it's that health issue that you're dealing with. And when you started and you found out about it and it it was diagnosed and there was a plan, there was treatment that you you could go through and it wasn't that complicated, but then it got complicated. And then, you know, one medication was prescribed, but then another needed to be prescribed, and then they needed to change the medication, and then you needed another medication to, to combat the side effects from the other medication you were taking, and, and pretty soon, you don't even know what pills you're supposed to take on what day. You don't know what appointment 
with which doctor is coming next. And even though you said that you would fight because you wanted that time with your family, that was when it seemed simple. And now maybe you just want to escape. Mothers, today is your day. Oh, we're celebrating you and we're celebrating all that you do, the, the gifts and the blessings that God works through you. And I bet there are days that you, you love it. You love being a mom. You're excited for those days. You, you're happy on those days. But there's other days too, right? There's those relentless days. Those exhausting days, but you can't quit because there are too many people, whether they're little little people or big people, there are too many people relying on you, and so you can't quit, you can't give up. And there's those days that you are just frustrated and exhausted from all of the nurturing, all the guiding, all the caring, all the disciplining, all the things that you're doing, and, and maybe sometimes you just want to escape. Or for those of you for whom today is a difficult day. Maybe because you've lost your mom. And you would like to escape that seemingly endless cycle of grief that you just keep going through. Or maybe today's hard for you because you want or you wanted to be blessed with motherhood and it hasn't or it didn't happen and maybe you just want to escape all the the questions that you ask yourself about why and what mistake you made and and what you did wrong maybe you just want to escape that that gaping hole that's in your heart whatever it is that makes you want to escape this life God knows. God knows and he cares. God knows that this world that we live in, it is a fallen, it is a broken world. It isn't what he intended it to be. And he knows that there are difficult challenges that come and they come often. As you look at the the language in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, moving into chapter 5, you see all kinds of language that talks about the, the challenges and the difficulties that come into our lives. You hear things like this, outwardly we are wasting away. Troubles, the, the earthly tent that we live in is destroyed. We groan and we are burdened. Now this is real, this is true. This life wears on you. Sometimes this life, it is a grind. But did you notice that throughout this section, even as the Apostle Paul is talking about the difficulties, the afflictions, the troubles, he still has this joyful optimism in opposition to all those troubles. He he gives us this joyful optimism as he continues to show God's promises. And he shows how God's promises give to you that same joyful optimism and a joyful balance in your life, a joyful purpose. Which means that you don't just have to seek to escape this life, 
but you can find that joyful purpose in and through each and every challenge that you face. And in the final verse of chapter 4, Paul tells you how. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What you see right now, what's right before your eyes, what you experience, that's the affliction, that's, that's the trouble, that's the, the hardship and the difficulties. You don't see the triumph. You don't see the, the victory. You don't see the joy. And so Paul tells you to focus on what you actually can't see. Which is crazy, right? <laughs> How can you look at something and keep your focus on something that you can't see? It's, it's crazy, except that you know the God who makes the impossible possible. You know the, the God who clothed divine, holy majesty in human flesh and blood you know the God who rose up from the grave so that when people peered into it, what they expected to see, a dead corpse, they couldn't see. And what no one expected to see, a living Christ, was witnessed to over and over and over again. You trust in the God who gives remarkable promises. You believe in the Savior who has declared to you that He has gone ahead of you, He has gone before you to prepare a place for you, that there are many rooms that are waiting for God's faithful people. You trust in the God who has given His Holy Spirit as a deposit. And all of those things, as of yet, they are unseen to us, and yet we can focus on them. They give us an incredible hope. We fix our eyes on those things, the promises of our God. And when we fix the, our eyes on the promises of our God, it completely changed the attitude that we have. It gives us that optimism. So that we're not merely trying to escape this life, but we can truly live with a joyful optimism because we know what is coming. Chapter 5 begins with that supreme confidence. You see, in verse 1, he says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. The life that you are living right now, it is temporary. And so if it feels cramped and it feels crowded and it feels like it's pressing in on you and it feels like it's, it's flimsy and it might fall apart at any moment, that's because it, it is. It's a temporary home for us. It isn't our eternal home. Sometime it will end and it will be destroyed. And maybe we witness this. Maybe we witness this in our own lives. Maybe we witness it in the lives of those that we love. Maybe we see that fragileness to this life. Maybe we see that wasting away that Paul had talked about. And maybe that's with our physicality. Maybe it's mentally. 
Maybe it's just the overall quality of our life that we enjoy, but, but it's wasting away. But even as that wastes away outwardly, Paul reminds us that we can be renewed inwardly. Renewed as we look forward with complete certainty those promises of God, that God prepares for us a dwelling place that is permanent and eternal. And so while sometimes we seek to escape this life, sometimes we also want to make this life the permanent one. We, we can make that choice and, and we can move in that direction, quite the opposite of the other direction, but that's a dire mistake as well. Paul reminds us that this life is a tent. But sometimes we act as if we want to live in a tent forever, for all eternity. You know, do you really want to do that? I know, I know. Some of you out there, you, you're big outdoors people. You like living in tents. You like building tents and going camping. I get it. But forever? You want to stay in a tent forever? Like a tent that you know eventually, like it is going to start to tear. It is going to rain. It is going to leak when it rains. It's not going to keep you safe and protected from the ferocious wild beasts that are around you spiritually. And yet sometimes we do that with this life, right? Can you imagine if someone came up to you, a friend came up to you, and they, they told you that they were going to remodel their tent? They are going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to remodel their tent. We, immediately we recognize the foolishness of that, but why don't we recognize the foolishness of investing so much time, so much effort, so much money in things that are only going to impact this life and won't matter for eternity. Why are we willing to, to spend so much, invest so much in what's just temporary? And that's what I love about this section of God's Word because it gives us this great encouragement and it gives us a joyful balance where it reminds us that, yes, we... We can live in this life, but yes, we also focus on what is unseen, and we look forward to the next, and we can make those great investments that really matter. Look at, look at verse 4 with me. There in verse 4, the Apostle Paul says, for while we are in this tent, this present temporary life, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling." so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And I just want to maybe change the wording a little bit there, where it says, because we do not wish to be unclothed, the reason we're groaning and, and we feel burdened, it's not merely because we want to escape. Not because we want to be unclothed and done with this life, but instead we, we do want to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. We groan, we feel burdened, but not merely because we need an escape. No, we just know how glorious, how awesome, how splendid the dwelling is that we have to look forward to, the dwelling that God has promised to us. And so we long for that dwelling. We long eagerly for what is coming in from Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
And that desire for what God has promised us, it gives us two things. It gives us, us that longing, but it also gives us patience. The longing because we do desire what is coming, but the patience because we are confident that it will come. And so we can trust in the promises of God and we can take the time that He has given us now to invest in the things that matter, to invest in His Word and His mission. Which means that the Christian life doesn't just say, woe is me. It doesn't just complain about how awful this broken, fallen world is. But we have a God-given, faith-given ability to smile in the challenges and the difficulties we face. Because we always know, always trust, always hope, always believe with that certain hope and the faith that God has given us about what is on the other side of this burdened and difficult life, this groaning life. And that hope, that faith, that certainty that we have, it changes our groaning from groans of frustration into groans of exertion and effort. You know, we could all gather around together today. We could move all the chairs into a circle. We could be support group style for each other. And we could just complain and, and bemoan and begrudge how awful this life is. All the challenges that face us. But God doesn't want us to do that. We get, he wants us to faithfully direct our eyes to what is unseen. To celebrate the joys of our heavenly dwelling to celebrate what He has promised us, and then to be motivated to live now for Christ. As we consider how awesome and splendid that dwelling will be in this next life, it gives us the motivation to live for Him who has acquired for us such a joy. To exert our effort, to groan in our effort to serve Him. To live to please Him. As we direct our eyes to what is unseen, it changes the groaning from groans of frustration into groans of effort, that effort to live a God-pleasing life. The Christian life, it isn't just about making it to heaven. Heaven is yours. Heaven is yours by faith in Christ. It is God's promise to you. You already have it. And we celebrate it, we eagerly look forward to it, but we also live right now. You are still in this life and you are here with this opportunity saved to serve, the opportunity to work for your Savior, Jesus. And that provides that joyful balance that we have in our lives. As we live to please our Savior, it means that we will take care of our bodies. We will plan for the future. We will make sure that we provide for our families. And we will take all the gifts and all the, the blessings that God has given us, and we want to use them to the absolute best of our abilities and service and love to Him. Paul phrased such an attitude this way. He said, For we live by faith, not by sight. And when he says we live, he doesn't just mean that we inhale and we exhale. It means the manner and the method and the way that we live. The reason that you get up in the morning, 
the reason you love your kids, the reason that you're going to work hard and diligently in your place of employment, the reason that you're going to celebrate the accomplishments of your preschooler or your first grader, the, the reason that you're going to push your, your high school senior to, to do their best and, and to use their gifts and their skills and abilities, the, the reason that you're going to serve faithfully in our ministry, the reason you might help out at our soccer camp, the, the reason that some days you're going to allow a toddler to throw food in your face, and the reason for everything that you do is your faith faith and trust in what God has done. That he is already preparing an eternal dwelling for you. That it is yours. That he has redeemed you from all your sin. And he will judge you by his grace alone. That faith is the reason for all you do, not your sight. Sight would look at the results, the returns that would come right now, right now, but Faith looks at the results that will come in the resurrection from the dead. When you're in an escape room, you don't always know what's on the other side of the door. It could just be another room filled with more puzzles to figure out, more clues to decipher. But that isn't true with your life of faith. You know what's on the other side of this doorway. You know that it is that amazing, awesome, joyful experience that God himself has created for you. The joyful, glorious room of the dwelling that you will have for all eternity. And while it's unseen now, you know that it is there by faith. We don't just try to escape this life. We certainly look forward to that heavenly dwelling We make every effort to use every second of the time that we've been given now to live our life in service to our Savior. 